Okay, good morning. Let's go ahead and find our seats. Just a couple of um, prayer updates. Uh, our beloved Barb is going into heart surgery tomorrow. She's in St. Vincent. I think she's watching right now. So let's all say hey to Barb. We miss her. Don't you love Barb? She's amazing. So we just declare complete and thorough healing over her body. Um, Tom Newton had a, uh, a surgery. And so I talked to him on Friday. He's doing well. As far as I know, from the last time I talked to him, he was uh, feeling much better. So please keep, uh, Tom is one of our elders here, Tom and April. So we just, we bless them and just keep them releasing healing over them as well. So grateful to be able to be here this morning. Um, I am super pumped up because I get to talk on spiritual authority this morning. How many have ever gone to the place in your walk with Christ where you think, what's missing? There's something missing. And as I was even, you know, this week and, and just things that are happening and we're walking through and getting ready to do, I was, I was feeling this uneasiness, and I began to say, God, what is, what is this? And uh, I soon discovered that it was my lack of understanding of authority that was causing me to feel a little bit heavy. You guys ever feel a little heavy before? Okay. Am I the only one that's feeling a little heavy sometimes? Like... And then I began to study about the authority, the spiritual authority that Christ has given the church. And I want to share today about a book that we will be releasing hopefully in March. Uh, and it's a book that we're calling, it's, everybody ever hear of John G. Lake? John G. Lake began a healing ministry. He went to South Africa. He was a tremendously wealthy man in 1880, 1885, millions. I mean, he was just rich. And God said, leave it all and follow me. And he did. And he had struggled throughout his life with sick people in his home. There was always someone who was uh, struggling with sickness, dying, or, and he lost a number of his family. And then when he got married and, and the same disease and, and sickness began to afflict his family, but he began to realize that there is healing authority on his life. And he began to walk in his own spiritual authority. And so fast forward about 20 years ago, a friend of ours, a friend of the house, Dr. Leon Van Royen, is from South Africa, ministers all over South Africa, received a stack of papers of John G. Lake's writings. And they were never published. So we got them. And now we're releasing this book, hopefully, on John G. Lakes. He passed away in 1935, but on his birthday, which will be March 18th, um, I just got a word from Brian Simmons, author of The Passion Translation. He did an endorsement for that book. And I've been reading this book, and I can't wait to get it into your hands, just so you know. So I want to talk today, and it's called, oh yeah, the book's called The God Men. <laughs> It's called The Godmen, and this is from the writings of John G. Lake. Think of it this. He went to South Africa. In five years, he raised over 100,000 conversions, 625 churches, 1,250 preachers in five years. What did this guy believe that we don't? You guys want this book? Yeah. <laughs> 
And so we are going to get this out to you. Or it's, it's, it's really, we just want to get it into your hands. And uh, we are so looking forward to that. But let's get into the Word of God. If you have a bulletin with you, I want to start with this. is The first thing that when we see authority, that it's, it's released. Like Jesus wants to release authority to us. Not just to me, but to us. The authority that the Lord's releasing in this hour is not just for one individual. We have to get out of that mindset, well, the Lord just wants to bless the one man or the one woman of God and use them. When Jesus gave his authority, he gave it to them. Yeah. Gave it to them. Everybody say them. So let's read what happens in Luke 9.1. It says, Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and imparted to them authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. Come on, we could just dance our way into glory right now just from that one verse. This is the Bible we're reading, by the way. Every demon and every disease, not most diseases and not some diseases, every disease, and he gave that authority to his disciples. Jesus received that authority from the Father, and then Jesus transferred that authority to his disciples, but the church oftentimes wants you to talk you out of that authority. The people oftentimes mistake confidence in God's authority for pride and arrogance. And they continually try to squash the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's not the spirit of God. So if you're filling in your worksheet, the first thing you want to fill in is united authority. God wants to give his authority to us, to a group of people, to walk in this authority, and so that our region is changed because people receive the authority that was given to them. Have you received the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you? This is what I want to talk on and teach on. So he also says that in Hebrews, it says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us, now notice how many times I'm, I'm not talking about spinach or romaine, talking about lettuce. Hear how many times it says, let us, let us. There's something that God's doing in the body of Christ together. It's exciting. And your pastor and your leadership team here want to see you on fire for God, walking in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ we won't be jealous. We pour gas on your fire, not water on your fire. Because the world needs an encounter with God. We owe the world an encounter with God. If we don't receive our authority from the Lord Jesus Christ, we can't make a difference. How many are ready to make a difference in the world? Come on, you don't, don't make me sing that song again that I lost my voice, okay? I am royalty, I have destiny, I have been set free, I'm going to make history. I mean, I don't know, I just thought there's something on that. So let us 
not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And so the idea of gathering together is something that we should make a custom of doing because we need courage. Everybody say courage. We need courage. And I love what it says in the scriptures. When it talks about church, yesterday we were out evangelizing and so many people you engage with, they say, well, we don't go to church. We don't go to church. And I'm, I'm the same way. I, you, you know, if, just because you go to McDonald's, it doesn't make you a hamburger. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I, doesn't get, I, don't, I get that. But gathering together on a weekly basis is something that both Paul and Jesus committed to. How many think Paul and Jesus are good examples? And it was their custom. It doesn't say that they had to go every week, but it was their custom. And so church attendants are gathering together, whether it's in a home, gathering around the word. Again, the church is people. It's not this structure that the American church has made it into. And I get that. But we don't want to back away from gathering together as a group of believers to encourage one another and strengthen one another. Luke 4.16 says, And he, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Well, somebody said, oh, I miss church. Well, just make, just as long as it's your custom to be part of a, a gathering of believers, you're good. Same thing with Paul. It says in Acts 17.2, as was his custom, Paul went to the synagogue, which was where they gathered on a weekly basis. And so we should instill this not only into our lives, but into our children. This should be your custom, you know. But some churches, I get it, they make it like a guilt thing. Like you need to be there Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But really the Bible just says you need to do it at least once a week. That should be your custom. Amen? Can I teach you this morning? Can I lean into you this morning? Great news today. My daughter has received her driver's license. <laughs> I have a picture of that. That was kind of lame, but you know. Hey, great news today. My daughter received her driver's license. And as I was going through this, if you've taken your driver's test in Indiana, the first thing you do is you get your learner's permit. You study it, you go in, you learn it, you go by the book, and that's part of getting a license. But there's another part of the license. It's the driver's test. And that's where you practically get into the car and you put it in drive, you stop at the stop signs, you don't run into anybody, you don't run anybody over, you put your blinker on, you do everything, but it's a practical thing. Can I tell you that most of the body of Christ has passed their license permit, but they haven't passed their driver's test yet? They haven't practically led somebody to Jesus. They haven't practically laid hands on a sick person and seen them healed. Most of, I'm not saying just our congregation, but in general, the church has become a place where you watch the one person do the works, when God wants to give us authority, 
Does anybody want authority in the spiritual realm? Does anyone here want, when you lay hands on the sick, you see that sickness leave their body, that you see someone who's tormented or traumatized, and you pray over them, and the demon leaves them? That's what Jesus wants. And church, pastors, ministers, you better get out of the way and start preaching this message. We need to equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. How many want to do the work of the ministry? This is an invitation for you to do that. Great, you studied, you passed your license, or you got your permit. But now it's time to get in the car, hit the road, and let's make sure we pass this thing. Does that make sense to you this morning? You guys are real excited. Here we go. This nice Presbyterian church. Here we go. Luke 9, 2. Then he commissioned them to preach God's kingdom realm and to heal the sick to demonstrate that the kingdom of God had arrived. One of the keys of the kingdom of God arriving is the sick are healed. That's a sign of the kingdom. As he sent them out, he gave them these instructions. Verse 3, take nothing, no, take nothing extra on your journey. Oh, I better not read this. Oh, no. I was planning on taking some stuff with me. <clears throat> um, just go as you are. Don't carry a staff, a backpack, food, money, not even a change of clothes. Honey, packing's going to be really easy. She's my packer, by the way. She's amazing as a packer. I mean, I would leave, I would be dumb and just go and have nothing and be like, ugh. But um, just pretend I didn't read that this morning. Boy, that, was, that scares me. But I want to talk about the title that we mentioned here before of the John G. Lake book called The Godmen. Because there is some confusion about that. And there's a lot of talking heads on YouTube that will twist what we're teaching and what Jesus was teaching. Now, Jesus said this in John chapter 8. Jesus said, I said, ye are gods, or you are gods. And it is the attitude of gods in the world that Jesus wants the Christian to live. Now, I'm going to stretch you this morning. Can I do that? It's not the first time I've done that. But I love God's word. When we talk about the word God, I want to break this down because this helped me a lot. I want to show you a picture of uh, the God, what, what God actually means in Hebrew. And if you would read the word in Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word El. And that's actually the Hebrew El. Everybody say El. El, El is a title in the, in the Bible. So when you read in the Hebrew, you'll find that you'll have like Jesus has the title Lord. And Jesus is his name. Lord title, Jesus is his name. Lord Jesus. The title King and David. King is his title. David is his name. You'll often find, most often in the Bible, that the word El will be right before the name of Yahweh. Follow me so far? So it actually says in the text, God, Yahweh. Just God is the title Yahweh is the name. People who say God has hundreds of names, 365 names, it's not accurate. He has one name, it's Yahweh, but he has a lot of titles 
that he goes by. I'm making sense. Now, this is what really helped me. Because when Jesus said, now, it's not Wikipedia. It's not some wealth, health, prosperity preacher that said, you are God's. I, my Bible said, Jesus said to the people, you are God's. Am I right? And so if Jesus said it, and someone doesn't understand it, that's on them. But Jesus had a reason for saying that. Now, he's not saying that, you know, oh, I'm going to worship you now that you're a god. The only god, <laughs> we worship Jesus, and we worship his father, Yahweh. That's the only, the only ones we worship, Yahweh and Jesus. But the word is broken down into, we're going to get a little technical. You guys ready? Yeah. Here we go. Many people believe, some scholars would disagree with me, that's fine. This letter here is the Aleph in the Hebrew. It was once a picture. And it, this doesn't work for all Hebrew words, but it works for a lot of Hebrew words. Some people use this on every Hebrew word, and I think it's not good. But for this word, it makes sense. Here, we have a picture of an ox head, which represents power and authority. Here we have a picture, I'm sorry, it represents an ox and it rec represents strength. And then we have the, the lamed or the el in the Hebrew word represents staff or authority. So the word God means a strong authority. Okay? Making sense so far? So when we're called, when Jesus said you are God's, he's saying I want you to be strong authorities. On this planet. How many know we need some strong authorities on this planet? Yeah. Most of the church is being silent or trying to be nice. They don't want to make a fuss about anything. We need to rise up in our authority in this time, guys. We need to realize the call that we're being called to. And, and we st we'll study this more. But the word God just means someone who rules. And you and I, through the Holy Spirit, get to partake in the divine nature of God. That's what he imparts into us by his spirit, is the divine nature. And part of carrying the divine nature of God is ruling on this planet. You guys aren't convinced yet, but here we go. It's okay. I'm going to read you Genesis 1.22. It says, And God blessed them, saying, and this is what he said to Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And he says, and rule. And rule. That's part of our call is to rule the earth. You and I are called to be rulers on this planet to represent, re-represent God. John G. Lake says, the Christian, therefore, is a ruler. He is in the place of dominion, the place of authority, even as Jesus was. Jesus, knowing that all power had been given unto him, took a basin and a towel and washed the disciples' feet. So part of that authority isn't that now everyone come and serve me. We go and serve the world. We go out there and we wash the feet of those who need their feet washed. We heal the sick. We deliver those who are oppressed. Those struggling in addiction. Those struggling not being able to feed themselves. 
We're there, but we're walking in the authority that God has given us. We're rulers. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you are God's. Come on, how many feel that they need to rise up in their authority that Jesus has given them? Besides your pastor. I want to I go from my learner's permit to my driver's license. And I've been licensed and given authority through the purchased blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to caution you, if you uh, when you get this book in your hands, okay? A couple things, you know how there's side effects that can happen when you take certain medication. These are some of the side effects that I want to put up with this book. Can you put that up real quick? You may begin engaging in risky or dangerous situations if you grab this book, experience this book. Number two, you may experience strange, uncontrollable encounters after reading this book. Aren't you glad I give you the serious side? These are serious side effects, by the way. You may get some fits of laughter, too. That's serious. You may um, sell all personal belongings and move overseas after reading this book. It might happen. This is a side effect, so just to be aware. Sudden lack of focus on self and desire to help others. Wouldn't that be great? And strange, outrageous, generous actions that seem offensive to religious people. Be aware what might happen when you read this book. John G. Lake had the revelation of his authority that was given to him on this planet. This book has come into our hands at this time to be released so that we take up that same mantle that John G. Lake took up. It wasn't John G. Lake, guys. It was the mantle of Jesus that most of the church doesn't understand. They've been given authority. Jesus gave them authority. And not just one person, but he gave us. He gave the disciples. First he gave the 12, and then he gave the 70. And then we're looking at it now that he's giving the world authority, those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. The second thing I want to mention it's a united authority, but it's also an invited authority. We have, to, we have to walk in the authority where we're invited into. We can't have authority if we're not given it. There are certain places when I go, I've been overseas before, and if they didn't want me speaking, I didn't speak. If they didn't want me sharing, I didn't share. We can't always walk, we can't walk in authority if we are not invited into it. There are realms that we have to receive from the, the area and the atmosphere that we're in. Luke 9, 4 says, whatever home welcomes you as a guest, remain there and make it your base of ministry. And whenever your ministry is rejected and not welcome, you are to leave that town and shake off the dust off your shoes as a testimony before them. Now, can I make you aware of something? That there are people that are going to reject you when you walk in the authority that Jesus has given you. And what happens oftentimes when we get rejected, we take it all on the inside and we feel bad about ourselves. And what does the Bible tell us to do at that point? It says to shake it off. Shake the dust off. Don't be expecting everyone to receive you. And, oh, that was great when you prayed for that person. Can I tell you, the last time I was in Asia, um, I was teaching at a drug recovery program right on the border of Vietnam. And as I was teaching there, I got a prophetic word 
that someone needed healing that was shot. And there was only like eight people I was ministering to in the middle of nowhere. And the moment I had that prophetic word, the guy said, I was shot and I need prayer. And I prayed for him. The leaders didn't believe in words of knowledge. And so after I spoke that, and I was supposed to teach the entire day, you know what they did? They said, we can't have you teach here anymore. And so I sat there the rest of the day and listened to someone else teach. How many know that's a test right there? I've come all the way over here from China. My wife packed my bag. I've spent, and you're not going to let me talk because I got a word of knowledge. Well, you know what? I just let it go. I said, Lord, that's not what they want here. Then that's okay. We bless you. I smiled. I didn't let the flesh. How many know what the flesh is? I'm not going to let my flesh go up here. We bless you. God, it's all you anyway. Use, you can use a donkey. I'll just keep my mouth shut. Praise God. But how many know that when we are rejected, we have to walk away. We have to shake the dust off our feet. And there's another scripture that says this in Matthew 7, 6. It says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You know, we don't share everything with everyone we meet because some people won't receive it and we can't feel this rejection. How many know pearls don't look good on pigs, okay? I mean, it's just, it's just something we should... <laughs> they don't look bad, they don't look bad. But did you catch the last part of that? If you give your pearls to pigs or what is sacred to dogs... If you do that, they will come back and trample you. So sometimes we get into trouble because we share with people that are pigs and dogs. They're not able to hold what is holy. And we're trying to force it on them instead of going, we don't call them pigs and dogs. We just say, okay, just not your time. God bless you. The reason why most people don't pray for people is because of rejection. The reason why most people don't evangelize is because their fear of rejection. Because how many know when you go up to somebody and say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Probably 70% of the people will reject you. But until you understand that, oh, it's just rejection. But God, I'm accepted by you. And once you see, receive that revelation that we've got to work through our own rejection of man so that we can follow the Great Commission. We have to say, you know what, this is, rejection is part of it. But I'm accepted by Jesus, and I'm not going to let the spirit of rejection keep me from doing what God says. How many does that make sense to you? I read a whole book on how Jesus handled rejection to help me understand the dynamic of evangelism, why I wasn't evangelizing. All right, let's continue on. Go land this plane soon. I want to talk about unmerited authority. The authority that you get from Jesus, you don't receive in a cemetery, I mean, seminary. Did I say cemetery? I'm sorry. You don't receive necessarily in a seminary. I love to study. I'm not opposed to, uh, I have degrees. I, I think it's great. But uh, we don't receive them from conferences necessarily. It's more caught than it is taught. So it's about getting around people that have the anointing and then receiving from them. You know, I just heard a testimony the other day. We had uh, Apostle Catherine Crick here a number of years ago, or about a year ago. And um, she's very controversial, but she has a powerful deliverance ministry. And you know what? Her ministry's not perfect. She's young. She's growing. 
But God's moving on her ministry. When she came here, the first person that she ministered to was a guy that's now preaching. He just, after he got set free, I mean, completely revolutionized, I think he lost all his teeth and his teeth started growing back. I don't even know how that happened. Okay? But now he's ministering. He just ministered at uh, Crossroads, uh, their Celebrate Recovery. And when he came up on this stage and that demon was cast off him, his whole ministry began. Praise God. Can we give God a shout of praise? Okay? Awesome. So we bring in people here that are walking in the authority and power. Why? So that we can catch it. How might want to catch this? You know, some people have caught a little bit, but now they—it's like they've, they've got a, they're immune to the real thing. Like I don't want to be inoculated with a little bit. I want to catch this thing, and I want Gateway Church to catch this thing, so that we're all walking in the power and the authority that Jesus has given us. But how many know that this authority is unmerited? It's a grace. It's something that we have to learn how to receive. Most Christians aren't very good at receiving, are we? We think we got to work for it. We got to pray for it. We've got to, you know, I'm believing in the fasting and the prayer and doing all these things. But ultimately, it's the work of Jesus that allows us to walk in this authority. In the book of John, it says this. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So notice that Jesus didn't come to bring more laws. Moses brought the Mo brought the laws. Jesus is bringing grace and truth. Grace is divine empowerment. That's what he's bringing. And the truth, and I'm not saying we don't have laws anymore. We have higher laws, but we can do those laws now. Why? Because we've been changed. Our nature has been changed. Adam birthed a human race, but Jesus came to birth a heavenly race, and that's you and me. We are partakers in that divine nature. It's a new race. Jesus didn't come to give us more rules. He came to make us rulers. The Bible is not a book of rules. It's a book training you to be a ruler. We have to swallow that pill. I just want to take the learner's permit, Pastor. I don't want to get on the road. Right? I want to drive. I mean, I, I might hurt somebody. Might make a mistake. Yeah, you will. Guaranteed. You know, we've done a lot of dumb things here. Gateway Church is known for doing dumb things. But we've made a lot, but we moved the needle in our city, and we're continuing to move the needle. But guess what? We try, we fail, we try, we fail, but then we get it right. Because we're not afraid of making mistakes. John G. Lade said this, It is he who by the Spirit deigns to come into the heart of the believer. Now this word deigns, I had never read that word before. Some of you are smarter than I am. Maybe you know the meaning of this word. But I had, I had to look it up because this is more of archaic language that John, when John G. Lake wrote it. And the word deigns, it actually means to deem worthy or fit to take or accept graciously. So the understand the anointing, the divine nature, Jesus has deemed you worthy to receive. You don't have to work for it. 
You just have to receive it and know that because Jesus said you're worthy, I will receive it, Lord. I don't feel worthy sometimes, but I'm going to receive it. What would happen if 10 of us got this revelation and began to walk in the divine nature of God from this point forward? What would happen to our region? Look what happened to John G. Lake. That very thing will happen in our region when we get this revelation. It goes on to say, Oh, the glory to God, if you have not appreciated the baptism of the Holy Ghost, look up to see heaven and to see the glorified one who purposes to come into your life and possess it. We have to learn to graciously receive the gift of his spirit, the gift of his power, and the mantle that he wants to pour out upon his church in this time. But it's unmerited. That means that we haven't worked for it. We just learned how to receive it. So learning how to be a good receiver is a challenge for us as believers. John G. Lake goes on to say, Why does God come down from heaven into the hearts of men, into the natures of men, and into the bodies of men, into the souls of men, and into the spirits of men? God's purpose in man is to transform him into the nature of God. That's what he wants. How many are ready for this message? I'm going to make you laugh in a second, so hold on. He goes on to say, I always feel sorry for the individual who only sees Christianity as the human code or the moral law, even though it was given by Jesus Christ himself. Oh, that is not Christianity. Jesus is not about morality. He's about immortality. It's not about just obeying rules. Come on, how many know that's what the church has trained most people? Receive these moral laws and follow them. Try your best. But it's totally more radical than we could ever imagine. Jesus said, become rulers of this planet. That was the commission given to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. I just want to make sure women feel equal with men. Adam and Eve, right? He gave that mandate to Adam to rule. Adam lost it in the garden. Jesus reclaimed that mandate when he went to the cross. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so therefore go. As my Father has conferred a kingdom on me, so I confer it on you. Authority in the plural. Let's give God a shout of praise. It's good. Yeah, come on. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's some good preaching this morning. You're welcome. All right. Unmerited authority, ignited authority. How many wants some ignited authority? God wants to ignite that authority. Into, he wants to light you up this morning. He wants to light you up. He wants to empower you with the fire of God, the life of God. The power of God in your life is what he wants to ignite. And I love what in Romans 11 says, 111. It says, Paul says, 
I yearn to come and to be face to face with you and to get to know you, for I long to impart to you some spiritual gift. How many know that there's an impartation that comes through the laying on of hands? Man, you know, the enemy wanted to shut down the church during COVID. Completely shut down. Don't touch anybody. Stay six feet away from each other. You know how many gifts were not imparted because we refused to touch one another? There's impartation that takes place. That's why we need to be present together. I believe that the anointing could go through the internet. People will be touched online. But there's a greater impartation when we come face to face. I want the greater impartation. I'm willing to go places and do things for that impartation. And when I go Cambodia and when I go to Vietnam, I'm imparting to people. I'm laying hands on people. I'm imparting to them some spiritual gifts so that they may be free and on fire for God. That's why we go to impart the spiritual gifts. And you never know. You never know the one that gets the fire. When I first time I went to Asia, I met in this little room on the like 50th floor of some tower. There was a short little business guy, sweet guy in all the world, nice, really nice guy. The only thing I remember personally about him is, is that it is a terrible story, and I'm going to tell it to you. I don't want to tell. Ugh. Anyway, we, they were really high up. And he bought it, and he just newly married, and he bought his wife a little kitten, and one day they left the window open. And they lived up high, and she was devastated, terrible, I know. And then what this kind-hearted man did for his wife, he went out and then he bought her a turtle. I don't think that was the most romantic thing to do, but that's what he did. But when I was there, I began to teach on the Father's love, the power of the Father's blessing. We began to speak over in the Chinese culture. I don't know if you understand Chinese culture, but they're very opposed to They don't celebrate birthdays oftentimes. They don't receive blessing. They are so afraid that if you honor someone or say you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're amazing, that it's going to turn into pride. So in their culture, they don't say anything good. They, they refuse to. And it's so damaging emotionally to the, to the Asian people. It breaks my heart. And so when I went there, I'm like, I want to give you a blessing. And they're like, what? And man, I would just say, God loves you. He's proud of you. He's encouraged by you. You're beautiful in him. And man, these Chinese people are wow, rolling on the floor, like just receiving the blessing of God. And it was just, just a father's blessing. Like, like Jesus, when he received from his father, you're my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Like that's all I was doing. I was just, we bless you and please, you know. And this little guy, this business guy who bought his wife a turtle instead of a cat, whatever, you know, eh, it's not the best idea. But anyway, he got that message. And what I heard from like five years later is he traveled all over China. And he taught the same exact thing that we taught that one day in that little apartment. And he spread the Father's blessing all over China. Isn't that awesome? Because he was imparted into. There was something in me. Something little in me. It wasn't a big meeting. People didn't know. It didn't become famous. It didn't matter. He just wants what I share to be on fire. Whether it's a group of five of us or it's hundreds of us, it doesn't matter. I just want what I have to be able to ignite 
something in the person that's listening to me. Because it comes straight from heaven is what my goal is. And this is what we want to see is ignited authority. Luke chapter 9, verse 6, it said, The apostles departed and went into the villages with the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm, and they instantly healed diseases wherever they went. Wherever they went, they saw the sick healed. That meant that the kingdom of God was being released. That same authority has been given to us as the church, to all of us. And all of us need to learn to walk in this new authority and walk in the divine nature of God. John G. Lake said this, If the gospel means anything, it means there shall be a transference of nature. I, one of my favorite scriptures recently has been 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, According to his very precious promises, that we can become partakers in the divine nature. How many know, like, I, you're not hearing this preached very much, but I'm teaching you the Bible. The partakers in the divine nature. Like, we part, we've all partaken in the sinful nature, right? Now it's time we begin to feast on the divine nature of God. And walk in that authority. That's where the authority is rooted. Now, I have a very terrible story example, and I'm going to share with you, just because I got the microphone. But a number of years ago, I was teaching children, and I came up with this beautiful picture. You're going to love this. Just amazing. And what I discovered is, uh, so I, I took this box, and what I did is this huge box, and I, I made it into like a, I, I called it like a transformer. And what I did is I, I said, I have purchased a canine to man transformer. And what happens is, is you put your dog in one end, and when it walks through it, it will come out a human being. It's a, it's a canine, canine transformer. And I'm teaching the kids this, and again, what am I teaching on? I'm teaching on the spiritual nature that God wants to give you a new nature. How many know when you teach kids, you better be interesting or they will let you know? Like if you guys aren't interested, you'll be nice to the end of the message. But the kids will just be like, they'll tell you, you you're not very good. <laughs> so you learn the next week, like I'm going to get better. I'm going to use more props. I'm going to, like you're going to be blessed. And so what I did is, I don't know if we had a dog or something. We brought in a dog and and then I had my, one of my worship leaders come out the other end. And I said, wow, it worked. This is amazing. It's like you went from canine nature to human nature. Wow, that's amazing. And the kids are clapping. And, and I'm like, well, I want to, I didn't make it that good. But, you know, they're like, wow, a canine transformer. Put a dog in one end, and out of the other end comes a human. And so then what I did is I said, well, what I want to do now is I want to just make sure to see how effective, because sometimes it wasn't always effective. Like this had happened a couple times, you know, eh, you know, partial man, partial dog, you know. And I was like, well, maybe we got a, a cheaper version. So, you know, I said, well, let's let's get the the, the better transformer. So I, I went and I, I got a better one. And, and um, you know, and, and, and you know, this is what I'm teaching the kids. Are you guys okay? Can I tell you this story? 
right? So, you know, it's okay to laugh. And so I said, well, let's, let's test it. So then what I did is, uh, you know, I had my worship leader, and I'm like, uh, how are you doing? And, and he was like, I'm doing good. I said, you feel like you got human nature? And he's like, yeah, 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 I feel like I got it. And so I said, like, let's, let's, let's test it out. And then I, I showed him a, a dog bone. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, putting it, putting it by him, by his nose. And he's like, you know. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 what, what, what's happening here, you know? Like, I, I thought this was supposed to be a complete transformation from canine nature to human nature. But this dog bone is you know, like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm looking at the kids like, oh, my gosh, this I don't think this worked. This, this worked very well. And then what I did to end the skit is I had someone come in as a uh, walk by as a postman, a mailman. And, the, and they was like, ah! And he starts chasing the postman, and they're running around the church and stuff like that. I could have done that this morning. You guys would have liked that, right? All right, yeah, let's give it up for me, okay? Because I just told you a really stupid story, right? You know, I was like, oh, no, you know, there was the ultimate temptation, you know, like, Postman-flavored dog food. Like, that's irresistible, right? So um, that was my story. But what was the point is that how do we take our human nature and step in to the divine nature? Because Adam gave us the sinful nature, but Jesus gave us the divine nature. And so what we have to do is we have to receive this transformation of our nature. It's something we receive, but it's a process that we go through as well because this is what ignites the authority inside of us is when we receive the nature of God. And it's key that we see ourselves as the second physical body of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to this planet, he carried a physical body. And when he walked... We talked about this a number of weeks ago. People could touch him, and power came from him so that people were healed miraculously. That was the first physical body of Jesus Christ. You and I are the second physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cool. The same power that the first physical body of Jesus Christ had was given to the second physical body of Jesus Christ. And that's you and I. That's you and I. That's us. You see how that authority is not something just to be given to one person. It's to be given to the entire second physical body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is what John G. Lake said. He said, when he established the second body, the church, he never intended that it should be of lesser authority or of lesser power than the first. It was his real purpose that the second body, the church, should exercise, everybody say exercise, and fully accomplish all that the first had done. That's what we're called to, is to... Completely walk out. Everything that Jesus walked out in, we need to walk out as well. And I want to close with this last statement. Because what's happened is, is we have got a watered-down, diluted gospel. How many would agree? We have got a watered, diluted-down gospel. That's what oftentimes we've been given, and we don't realize this gospel is powerful. 
But this gospel has to be believed. This gospel means that I just can't have the information that I've got to get in the car and I've got to take my driver's test. I've got to actually get into that physical car and drive this thing. Not just to mentally know, but to physically experience. And the anointing that's given to the second body of Jesus Christ is powerful, it's tangible, it should be felt, it should be heard, demons should manifest. When you walk into a room, healing should happen, disease should flee. That's what the authority brings. But again, this is authority that we have together. This is authority. It's not limited by our education. It's only limited by our unbelief. We have to believe this. This is what the challenge is for you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died to give you this authority? I do. Does our world need this type of authority? It sure does. More than ever does this world need more than nice, well-educated Christians. We need bold, righteous Christians with authority and power ready to act and ready to follow this commission. We're not believing or settling for the watered-down gospel. Give me the real stuff. Come on, let's stand together. Let's give God a shout of praise. He is good. Thank you, Jesus. I think we can put that pad on if we have a pad. Here we go. All right, I'm going to leave you with this last quote. And I'm shamelessly just quoting from this book. Come on, how many have been blessed by John G. Lake's writings? Amen? He's still speaking. Isn't that beautiful? He's still speaking. Because his life showed that what he believed is real. His life showed it. And every one of us, we owe the world around us encounter with God. And as your pastor, I'm going to tell you, we've got to get out of this, we've got to get out of this state of unbelief. We've got to get out of this state to think, oh, God won't use me because of this or because of that. We can't. That's not an excuse anymore. We have to walk in the full power that's been given us, and we have to receive that authority. This world needs Jesus, but they don't need meek and mild Jesus. They need the real Jesus. John G. Lake said this, I would like to leave this one text in your soul, branded in your soul, stamped on your conscience, burned into your heart, that Jesus Christ, as presented in Revelation, the first chapter, which I love to call the 21st century Christ, is not Jesus in tears in Galilee or on the Mount of Olives weeping over Jerusalem, but the resurrected, glorified, masterful finality in God who stands out and says, I am He. And let me read you this verse from Revelation that John G. Lake was mentioning. Jesus said this in the book of Revelation. Some of the final words of Jesus that we need to let stir us today. Fear not, 
I am the first and the last, and I am he that lives. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's 21st century Jesus. <laughs> Come on, let me pray for you this morning. I just invite you just to stretch your hands out to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We choose this morning to say yes to the authority that you've given us. Father, forgive us for our doubt. Forgive us for our unbelief. We repent of our unbelief and our doubt. We choose today to be believers, to believe what you've said, that you want us walking as rulers and authorities. Like Jesus said, you are gods. You are ones that rule. And Lord, forgive us for not receiving that authority. And we receive that authority today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because right now, you're going to begin to feel the Spirit of God descend upon you in power and in might. And he's squishing and, and crushing the lies that you're not worthy. He's scratching, crushing and squeezing out those very doubts inside of you. Jesus purchased the authority for you. He rose from the dead. He has the keys of hell and death. And he says, here are the keys. Here is that authority. Now I just say in Jesus' name, receive the authority to heal. Receive the authority to cast out demons. Go and bring the kingdom of God wherever you go in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. If anyone needs prayer this morning or you feel something stirring inside of you, we're going to invite some of our prayer team to come on up at this time. And if you need prayer for healing, deliverance, if you just need a touch from God, we want to pray for you this morning. Thank you guys for being with us. Let's give God another shout of praise. He is good. God bless.